0: Coaches, Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach.
1: Welcome back to another episode of C3, Connecting Coaches, Cognition. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with violet christensen let's jump into connecting with the coach
0: violet how's it going Overall, things are going pretty well and just keeping busy, you know. You always think there's going to be a lull, and it never seems to quite come. Um, right now, I'm gearing up for our feeder day where we pull together our entire feeder of teachers and try to provide them with an awesome day of PD. And um, I'm just excited. I have a really great team out in the Frederick feeder, and we are really trying to focus around empowerment and empowering our educators. And this is the second round with them um, of this format of PD where it's really self selected. And, and really teacher driven. And so we're excited to see how it's going to take off this time if they're going to um, get even further and faster with their learning.
1: I love it. Empowering your teachers to empower their students. That's what you preach. So tell me what's going on in your world, Courtney. I'm really starting to see a shift in practice in my teachers utilizing um, learning targets and working together on impact teams. So it's really nice to see all of the work that we front loaded with in the beginning of the year kind of paying off
0: and getting put into practice right now. That is so huge that it's finally paying off. It's like, oh, my impact, it's coming. I love that. Let's get to the portion of the podcast we like to call Coaching for the Coach. Well, I wanted to just have a kind of candid conversation with you. You have been balancing so much lately, Courtney. I know you have been doing student-centered coaching. You have been doing a lot of short-term targeted coaching and also trying to manage balancing three sites plus all the other initiatives on your plate. So I know your time is of an essence. I wanted to ask you, how do you maximize your coaching production with all of those things on your plate? I mean, so many coaches, It's we're all over the place.
1: <laughs> you. You've got short amount of time. You're limited depending on how many buildings you're serving. I really try to hit the ground running each day and catch teachers whenever they have time. So whether it's walking to the copier, they're heating up their lunch in the microwave, I look at that as an opportunity to coach. Um It works really well with getting a pace in if they're upset about something. Um Sometimes getting them to walk the halls um,
0: and coach with you kind of brings
1: down that level and I feel like you get cognitive shift much quicker.
0: So you're loving this on the fly mode and just kind of getting out of the formality of sitting down to do a conversation.
1: Yeah. I really want my teachers to feel supported and it doesn't always have to be this formal process of booking an appointment and I have 30 minutes to set aside. I really want them to know in that moment, if they see me, I'm in the building, I can try to help them think through um, and work through whatever's going on.
0: Courtney, how have these mobile coaching sessions changed your practice?
1: It really allows me to meet with a lot more teachers across the building. And even if it's just a five-minute quick coaching conversation with someone, um, if I had to formalize it and sit down with them, I might not get to see them for a month. Mm-hmm. But these on-the-fly conversations really let me see and check in with people on a regular basis.
0: I bet you it helps you to keep the pulse of the schools better too. Like you just are able to get into more corners more readily.
1: Yeah. It really makes me accessible to people. They see me and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I really need to talk through this. And I'm right there and able to jump into that conversation with them.
0: Is there anything that you have to be mindful of as the coach? Like as far as the cognition you're trying to have while you're possibly in motion walking around the playground or walking down the hall or making copies? Like, do you have a different modality you have to tap into?
1: I really try to maintain the role of the coach because it's easy to let that slide when you're having a more casual conversation with someone. So really still sticking to asking intentional coaching questions, making sure I'm still pausing, even though we might be moving at a little bit of a pas- faster pace, um, and really just maintaining that role of the coach, even though it may be a more relaxed situation.
0: So you're really just flexing yourself to be a little bit more candid with them, but also making sure that you're keeping it in the coaching realm. Totally. That's powerful. Um, Tell me what your intention is to make sure each of your educators is truly supported. What do you feel like you can take forward from this conversation? That really
1: there's a time and place for coaching to happen anywhere. It doesn't always have to be that scheduled, dedicated coaching time.
0: It's like Beyond Borders coaching, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Today we have Michelle Bourgeois with us. She's a chief technology officer who uses her coaching knowledge to build capacity in her team. Thank you for joining us today, Michelle. We know how busy you are. Can you tell us what your background in education
2: is? Sure. Um, thanks, you guys, for having me on the, the podcast. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys. Um, so my background, I started 30 years ago uh, as a fifth grade teacher in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, taught uh, science and math for the most part, but I've taught uh, amazingly every level over those 30 years. So spent 11 years in middle school, uh, taught K-8, uh, for a while in a computer lab and then moved to a high school where I taught uh, math and uh, a lot of digital uh, technology classes. Um And then thirty after 30 years, I've moved into the role of CTO and uh, love every minute of getting to support and serve schools.
0: You bring such a wealth of experience to this role, and I'm sure it's so helpful to you to be able to draw from that when you're working with different educators in order to empathize with them and understand what they're working on. Definitely. Can you illuminate to us a little bit more as to how you use coaching or how you use
2: cognitive coaching in your CTO role? Sure. Um, So one of the things that uh, is is always a great opportunity um, moving in from the classroom into a more technical role you appreciate more the needs of the customer, our teachers, and our students. Um, And so part of uh, my role as a CTO is to make sure that I'm helping our technicians, who many of whom have never been in a school except for as a student, um, understand how you support and serve schools well. Um, And so a lot of that coaching is really around helping them build empathy um, and understanding how their – um, way of supporting and way of serving um, can either be something that builds on a culture in a school um, or can detract from it if it's not done well. That
1: empathy piece is so important. We are just reading about empathy with Brene Brown in our coaching book study. How has coaching impacted you personally?
2: For me, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to join St. Rain um, under the, the leadership of Joe McBreen. Um, and he, I think, has been a role model for me in thinking about um, how do you lead well? Um, and he is the epitome of a coach. Um, lots of times when I come to him and want answers, um, he'd ask lots of questions and make me kind of think through a situation uh, myself. And I think that that's something that's helped me grow as a leader, making sure. And in fact, on my computer, I have a, a, a little, um, sticky note that I, that I keep there just to remind myself. And on it, it says, stop solving, start asking. Um, and so figuring out how to coach people rather than always being the one who solves the problems, um, is something I learned from Joe and something that I hope that I aspire to do well.
0: Wow. Stop solving, start asking. I love that. That's a sentiment I would like to take with me. And what a great shout out to Joe McBreen. I feel like in the short amount of time that I got to know him while he was here, I learned so much from him as well. And I just was appreciative of how he really um was so intentional in his coaching and intentional with how he honored the people that he worked with. So definitely so powerful. Definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about your most powerful coaching moment? You illuminated a little bit of that with Joe, but with your technicians and the educators you work with, what has been that moment that really made you believe in cognitive coaching and that powerful sentiment you took forward?
2: That's a great um, thing to think about. And I think there are lots of moments um, over my career that that I could talk to, but I think, you know, one of the ones that's been um, that, that just carries me through um, was really back from my classroom days Um I had the good fortune of teaching in the school where um, we had after-school activities and I could have students come in. Um, and back then, I was, 20 years ago, robotics is not what robotics is today. <laughs> um, but it was it was working with a student that had potential and uh, wasn't necessarily a wonderful student, but um, was a student who had a passion for robotics and was in my classroom, you know, lunchtime and break time and after school and before school. Um, and finally, his mother came to see me and said, what are you doing? Like, what's got this kid all going? And and the powerful coaching moment for me was learning how to coach that student into understanding their potential. Um, and now he works at the Institute for Human and Machine Cognition, um, designing uh haptic. Um, suits for the uh, military. Oh so it, it's one of those things that coaching that student, so asking him questions, helping him see his potential, helping him learn about what the future could hold um, with the right attitude, with the right beliefs um, is something that I still think about to this day. It just, it, it brings chills to know that that, that that simple act of connecting human to human with a student um, made all the difference in the world.
1: I love that just having that human connection and how powerful that can truly be i I know you touched on a little bit about coaching your team. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you utilize coaching to help unify your team?
2: Well, you know um, one of the things that that uh, I think is important to think about when you're coaching folks uh, that are outside of instruction um, is thinking how do you actually help them understand the view of Others And uh, for some of our technicians who live in a world of, you know, black and white and on and off and, you know, bits and bytes, um, for them, sometimes it becomes a, a challenge and an opportunity to help them see that shades of gray are okay. Um, and so in coaching folks who are not uh, teachers, because every day we understand as educators that there's a space uh, between right and wrong that every student, every human lives in. And so helping folks who really are comfortable in that black and white see and appreciate uh, where the levels of gray can lead them uh, is is really important. So what I try to do a lot is uh, ask lots of questions. And one of the books I'm reading right now that I really love is by Cy Wakeman. Uh, It's called No Ego. And um what what Sai talks about a lot is how do you help folks get out of the space of thinking about self and kind of reflecting on their own uh, perceptions of a situation and get down to reality? And with coaching folks uh, outside of education, I love some of the questions that she brings. So two of the questions that I use often when folks bring you challenges or when they bring you um, sometimes complaints, um, two of the questions I love. One is what would great look like? So when someone asks you like, or tells you, you know, this teacher, I went in her classroom and I had an appointment and then she wasn't there and I don't know what to do. Um, What would grief look like is a great way for them to stop and reflect on not only the the intention behind the act that maybe is is getting them into a negative space, but also how they can change it. And then the second uh, question that I love from her is, what did you do to help? Um, so not just asking them to, to relay their feelings, but also asking them to reflect on how could they contribute to a better outcome in that situation. And I think that's what coaching is about. It's about getting us into a space where we can um, not just think about what happened, but think about what we can do differently and grow from.
0: Both of those questions are going right into my verbiage back pocket. <laughs> I feel like every time I'm with you, Michelle, I find something that I write down later that I use in other coaching <laughs> conversations. So thank you for always imparting that to us. And I love how I can see that you really see the power of coaching at all various levels with mm-hmm. students, with teachers, with parents, with administrators, with coordinators, and just how you've been able to get cognitive shift with such simple questions, but being intentional on in how you
2: utilize them. Definitely. And, you know, one of the other things, it, it actually stays on my board, um, um, it is a little phrase, um, CYA, which we all think we know what that means. But on my board, what I have is communicate your assumptions, because I think part of what we can coach people into when we're coaching them into greatness is making sure that the assumptions we bring uh, to a situation are actually confirmed by talking, by having a dialogue about it. So communicating your assumptions is something that I try to bring into coaching conversations, um, just to help people understand how their perspective, the lens that they're bringing to the situation might not always give them the full perspective that they need to appreciate um, what the next step should be.
0: Absolutely. That clarity is so key in those conversations Mm -hmm. and moving forward. Can you tell us, are there any coaching skills you like to impart to your team to help them raise their efficacy in serving such a wide range of clients? Since your technologists are able to work with teachers and students and coaches and they're on so many realms, what do you try to impart to them to help
2: them be successful? You know – um one of the things that, that's good to remind anyone, um, when you're working with, with people, um, is that self-monitoring. So if, if there's one skill that I can bring back to people, it's to help them recognize um their own emotions and their own feelings that they're bringing to a situation to self-analyze. So self-monitor. Um, if I go into a situation where I've not gotten enough sleep or my lunch, uh, you know, got delayed, um it might mean that I'm coming in with a different attitude than if I had been well rested and, you know, just had a wonderful lunch. Um, so self-monitoring is something that I try to help our team recognize. And, and I do that sometimes just by explaining where I am in the day. Like, you know, I know we have a really hard conversation. I just need you to know that, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, and so it might flavor how I'm coming into this conversation. So helping people recognize where to self-monitor, um, how to self-analyze, like what would that do to my responses? So helping people see that. And then um, self-evaluating um, after uh, a conversation. Um, what went well? What would you change if you could go back and say it differently? Where do you think your words led uh, to the outcome or the resolution? Um, those kinds of skills, I want to make sure that I impart every time that I bring uh, a situation forward.
1: What powerful skills you're imparting, um, to your staff and really growing them. That self-reflection piece is so important on how to grow professionally. We're going to move into our rapid fire questions. So you have 30 seconds or less to answer these. What is your tagline or bumper sticker for coaching?
2: Um, My tagline, I think it would be the one that I've put on my my, uh, computer right now. Stop solving, start asking.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. We really have to get these printed. They're just too good.
2: (laughs) T-shirts in the making. There you go.
1: What's your secret coaching superpower
2: or go-to move? A great question. And the question I use most often is say more, which I don't know if it's really a question, but it extends the conversation. I love it.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. You're such a wealth of knowledge, and we just love to see coaching in a different atmosphere. We know how strong and unified your team is, and you're such a pillar of bringing them together and unifying them through coaching, and we love being able to see your model.
2: Thanks, guys, and thanks for putting this podcast on. I learn every time I get to listen to an episode. Well, thank Thank you you so
0: much, and thank you for sharing.
1: Michelle left us with some valuable pieces of advice, such as stop solving and start asking it's so important to remember how to coach people instead of trying to solve their problems for them. In what unique spaces and places can you use coaching to help serve schools well? Tweet us at C3 Coaches. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?